You've attended council hearings in person. You've tuned in to our televised proceedings on Channel 13. Now, you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council with your host, Josh Gibson. Thank you, deep-voiced person with a funky backbeat. Indeed, this is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. You can't have a government without a council, so you can't have a government radio station without a council show. This is it. We're coming to you from the train track enclosed nerve center that's the headquarters of the Office of Cable TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment. It's also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television, so it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the Council. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as the Council's voice on social media, at Council of DC. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even enjoyable way. You know if you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communications. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the Council does. We're demystifying our work and the people who do it. Remember, the D.C. Council is just like your workplace, except with the dais. On the show, we'll try to keep things light, offbeat, informal, and interesting. You'll learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. Listeners, we've now begun our fifth round of interviews with council members. The older interviews are available, as always, on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. However, our more recent interviews are now available on iHeartMusic, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, or on the DC Radio app. And stay tuned, we're going to be adding videos as well. The earlier interviews focused mainly on getting to know the council members' backgrounds, successes, struggles, and the people who shape and surround them. In the fifth round, we continue to broaden things out, tackling issues that interest the council members and me. And uh, so, as always, without any further ado, let me introduce our guest, Ward 3 Council Member Mary Che. Thank you. Thank you so much. And um, to all the, the tiny handful of critics of this show who are out there who consider it a giant waste, this is the one episode when you're going to be right, because our topic today is trash, waste, recycling. We're going to talk trash. We're going to talk trash. I'm going to talk trash with one of my bosses and get away with it even better. Um, so I, I would say one of your cornerstone achievements from your time on the council has been fighting uh, trash and encouraging recycling, smart energy use. Um, mm -hmm. Talk a little bit first about what brought you to that point. What in your, in your youth, in your education has made you focus with laser vision on this topic? Well, I, I don't know that it goes back uh, to my youth, whether I was, you know, uh, diving in dumpsters or what, but um, that wasn't the case. What happened was uh, I've always had an interest in the environment and um, protecting us in, in all ways. And then on the council, I chair the Committee on Transportation and the Environment, so I've had a real uh, direct way of uh, moving legislation and, and hopefully making uh, change that's positive. And uh, there are different pieces of it. You know, it's not just obviously waste. Last year, I spent almost the entire year refining and getting consensus on a, an energy bill. And I think now that that has passed at the end of the Cal last calendar year, we have gotten the most progressive uh, 
energy bill probably in the nation uh, that deals with climate change and various uh, aspects of it. And I want to say something about that relative to the bill that I'm working on now uh, dealing with waste. That bill, even though it emanates from the District of Columbia and we're a small jurisdiction, the fact of the matter is we have to do the right thing. We have to do the right and moral thing with respect to climate change. But beyond that, even though we're a small jurisdiction, we have in the past with a number of our bills been able to be a model for other jurisdictions. And so that's, you know, an advantage as well. And then, you know, uh, it's part of this uh, sort of grouping of different jurisdictions following the default of the federal government, which under the current uh, president has really made a U-turn on environmental protection and uh, health and safety and uh, really, the the way to pick up that slack, the only way in this period for however long this administration stays in office, is for local governments, state governments and local governments, to sort of join hands loosely uh, to, to fill in the gaps. And so that's what we've been trying to do. And this year, my effort uh, is going to be the matter of waste. Uh, and just to give you some dimensions of the problem, each one of us, on average, produces four and a half pounds of waste every day. And the United States is the biggest waste producer in the world. Um, and, you know, uh, we have to do something with it. Now, what we have is a consumer-oriented society where instead of, you know, um, thinking about how we're going to reduce what we're doing, we're actually producing more waste every day. It's, it's growing uh, every day. And so uh, the motto must be take waste, you know, and take, make, and waste. Just And most of us, I think, have some appreciation of the dimensions of the problem. It's not only pollution of the air, pollution of the water. Uh, it's, not, it's not just that, but it also contributes to climate change it because um, landfills produce methane and methane is 25 times more potent than carbon uh, in in the atmosphere and so it, it makes up a substantial portion of, of that problem too so what are we going to to do about this or what should we be doing about this most people I think want to do the right thing they, you know they try to recycle they try to you know separate their trash and and what have you and and I know for example you know people that I deal with you know they're really trying to get on board with uh, composting and uh, that sort of thing but it's hard it's hard because uh, the the target is always moving even on recycling many people don't know what can be recycled and what can't be recycled one of the major issues that we face is contamination of recycling and so if it's contaminated, then even though it started out as recycling, you know, when it was picked up, it's going to be thrown into the trash. But we can't always fault the, the, the residents uh, or the business or whatever because it, it, is, it can be difficult. And so I have a little task for you. Okay. I have props here, and I have items. The first thing I have is this uh, uh, box, which included a... Um, plastic container that the, some uh, person's lunch was in before they ate. I did clean it. Um, okay. And then the, 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 this covering that goes over it when you microwave it. Right, and it's a it was, cellophane film. Yes, it was, it was all shipped in this box, okay? Right. And then the person with that lunch might have had 
perhaps a, a yogurt, and they might have had a something from Starbucks. And the Starbucks includes, among other things, um, the cup, the lid, the sleeve, which to keep it from uh, burning your hand as you carry it, and this little heat preserver that you stick in that little hole. And then to eat the lunch, we have plastic uh, spoon and a plastic fork, and covering the yogurt was this uh, sort of aluminum foil type cover. And so I would ask you, and I, can I, can I, can your viewers see this? Do, do they? Uh, they, no. they, 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 some they of them be to, will okay. be. Okay. We're, we're experimenting so, with YouTube. Okay, so we want to uh, consider, and I'm going to ask you, because you want to do the right thing, I want to do the right thing. Which of these items are recyclable, and which have to be put into the trash? So, I you, would. What, I, do you, what do you? What do you say? My sort of gut take, and I'm kind of passionate about this stuff too. You might mm -hmm. not, you might not realize that, but I'm, I'm fairly, fairly enthusiastic. Yes, okay. But I yes, potentially yes. will be wrong here. I think there's no food contamination on the Lean Cuisine cardboard box, mm -hmm. so I would put that with paper recycling. I would think that the tray from the Lean Cuisine and the dish from the yogurt, if rinsed, are recyclable. The sleeve from the coffee cup, I would think, is paper recyclable. Um, the coffee lid is one I've always kind of struggled with, mm -hmm. and I would think that the cellophane top of the Lean Cuisine, the plastic utensils, the little coffee stick to put in the hole so it doesn't leak, uh, and the coffee cup itself and the foil lid of the Chobani yogurt are not recyclable. Okay. Pretty good. You did pretty well. But you know what? It, it's, it's a talk show and a game show, yes, people. Yes, a talk show and a game what, show. What do we have for okay. the winner? <laughs> Assuming I won. You get to keep all of these props. Oh, okay. okay? Um, interestingly, the box for the Lean Cuisine uh, food item is only recently recyclable. Okay. Right. And, and not long ago, it would have been an error to put it into the recycle bin, which illustrates my point. Because back then it was only if it was office paper. Right. And so, uh, and, and no, even even after that, and this cup from Starbucks used to not used to not be recyclable either, but now they've changed the composition some, so it is recyclable. So hmm. now it is, and um, the Lean Cuisine uh, plastic tray. And you're right, if you wash it, it's recyclable. Otherwise, some of these things have a lot of oils in them and it sort of mucks up the work. Um, this, right, and how much water are you wasting to yeah, save I the know. environment by recycling <laughs> right. the plastic? Right, and this, this paper could be recyclable. This lid is not, or was not, but it is now. Okay. okay? These items are not, no. And this item, until I looked it up, Myself, I had routinely been putting this in recycle because I thought it was plastic and should be able to be recycled. This is the tiny green stick yeah. you put in the top to of a uh, coffee now, to keep it from leaking. We could have brought other things, I suppose. But, and, but the point of all this is that a lot of people don't know or they don't know with any complete confidence. And the, the usual rule of thumb is, you know, when in doubt, throw it out because you don't want to contaminate the actual uh, recycling. With... And that goes against human nature because, like, you want to do the right. right thing for nature and you tend <laughs> right. to break a tie, to want to break a tie by putting it in recycling. Mm -hmm. But your point very clearly is no. Um, the contamination rate uh, in the district is 
close to 20 percent so that's that's pretty high i think and that's um, just the people yeah oh, no the tra- <laughs> we're talking about the trash um Anyway, it could be residue left on recycled, uh, possibly recycled materials. Um, and one thing that's a prominent mistake are plastic bags. So I'm going to use this occasion to talk to your listeners. Okay. The plastic bags that your newspaper comes in, not recyclable. And if you're using a plastic bag in your kitchen to separate recycling from trash, and you take out the recycling in that plastic bag, you have to dump the contents. The plastic bag is not recyclable, okay? That's a major contaminant. But we have a lot to do just in terms of education. But I I wanted to talk about some of the things that uh, I've done in the past and and what I'm doing now in terms of uh, some of these um, issues about recycling. Now, in the past... Uh, we had a, um, from 2013, a zero waste diversion goal of 80% by 2032. We're not there. Residential uh, diversion is 23%. The national average is 34%. And we're certainly behind places like San Francisco and even Mon- Montgomery County. Um, I uh, passed a statute, Sustainable Solid Waste Management Amendment Act of 2014. It it required, you know, uh, source separation. It uh, asked uh, the district to develop a goal, which we have now for our zero waste, but it also implemented other things. It made it, um, uh, it banned uh, uh, styrofoam, uh, and so disposable food service ware can't be made out of styrofoam anymore. As you may know, our uh, straws can't be made out of plastic anymore. I assume right. you know that and you've seen that around. We have uh, two uh, producer responsibility aspects to our waste, namely paint, so that if you don't use all your paint, you can take it back to the paint store and they will. the manufacturer is supposed to take that back. That's been very successful according to the Department of the Environment. We also have an electronics recycling where we bring that back uh, to the to the stores, and they have the, the producer takes that back and and presumably uses what can still be used. We've established through that earlier statute a composting program. It's not curbside composting, which is what we want to get to. Uh, food waste contributes mightily to the to the waste stream. Uh, I passed something called the Save Good Food Act. You know, we have these expiration dates on things, and we just toss them. A lot of that doesn't have to happen because they're perfectly good. Um, And then, you know, uh, we have a sustainable uh, purchasing program for the district. So they should purchase uh, from a list of green uh, products and things that that we can reuse and and then uh, um, not add to the the waste stream. Okay, so what are we doing now? Well, we're going to enhance what we've already done. I have a couple quick follow-up questions. And these are fairly detailed as an avid recycler. Okay. Um, One is with the paint and the electronics. Mm Do you need to show a proof of purchase? Do you need to have bought something at the electronic store to give them your electronics to recycle, or are they just required to serve you know, as a depot? I don't know the answer to that. And you see, there, there are all these things that we would have to right, the, the, figure out. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because um, the, the, the I, other question I was going to ask— I don't ask, think so, but I can't say for sure. The, the the question comes. I live in a, in a co-op, 
And recycling is different when you're in a co-op because we, each person, might have one item of electronics recycling every couple mm-hmm, of years. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. we as a building generate a lot. But then for a while we recycled styrofoam. And the building's worth of styrofoam once or twice a year we would take to a place and they'd recycle it. But the place was in Baltimore and it closed. Um, another issue is that you can't put the um, recycling in a bag uh, in the recycling. I'm on the fourth floor, so the question is how do you get it down the stairs if it's not in a bag, or what do you do with the bag once you... Um, well, do you put it in a chute? Uh, no, no, no. It's a smaller apartment building. So you oh. walk it down the four flights oh, of stairs. Okay. And then we ended up solving it when this when how, they started making... How did you make, solve it? We now have a small trash can just for torn open plastic bags. Excellent. So we can honor. But it's just interesting because I think a lot of times when bills are passed, it's with a homeowner in mind when a ton of people in D.C. live in, in well, apartments. Well, you know, the private haulers who pick up trash from, from buildings, right. um, one of the things that uh, the new legislation would do, among other things, I want to have this program, such as they have in Montgomery County, whereby the, the um, manager or whoever's in charge of things at the building, they have to make a plan for how they're going to deal with uh, trash and recycling and so on, sign off on it, and then be responsible for it. And that kind of an approach in Montgomery County has really produced good results. And then also a little bit more, um, how shall I say, auditing from time to time uh, of the haulers when they bring stuff uh, to uh, to the district to see how contaminated it is. And to perhaps, you know, even sometimes the district might look in big garbage bins and see things. We're now doing this... Uh, Program it is for residences, but it but, but it can also be you know for other kinds of buildings as well. We have oops stickers, and you, you're not citing anybody for anything, but you're putting a little sticker on there. Oops, this shouldn't have been here, because again, like with these props that I have, sometimes it's not that the person is misbehaving; it's that they earnestly tried to do the right thing, but it wasn't correct, and so education. Uh, needs to be done too, and I've been thinking about you know particularly with um, requiring greater uh, separation uh, of the largest entities like hospitals and uh, universities and that sort of thing, to having a program with DPW where they actually go into these institutions. You know, we're going to start with the largest ones and actually on the ground show folks how they can do it and what should be included and what should not be included. Because again, people need to know. And also, I want to work with... um, uh, you know, with our building code so that when new buildings are being built, you know how most people have uh, perhaps in a kitchen two uh, spots, one for trash, one for recycling. Well, now we're going to need one for composting so so that we have all three covered. And then we're working toward uh, having curbside composting. I put a lot of money in the budget uh, for composting and for finding a site in the District of Columbia. My most recent conversation with the head of DPW, DPW is saying that they can't find a site in the district. So the next best thing is to try to find property outside of the district where we could do composting. And then we need to get a third stream to pick up the composting and to take it away. If we had that, we could materially increase 
the the composting that goes on in the district. It would be just like when you put out your garbage can and your recycle can, you'd put out your composting, and it, that would also uh, be uh, picked up. So, um, And we're increasing the uh, limitations on um, what you can get from takeout. Let's say you went to Starbucks, you know, and just today I, I had an oatmeal from Starbucks. And... Um, when they, without saying anything to them, they will put in that oatmeal, they'll put in the plastic spoon, which is wrapped in plastic. They'll put in uh, three different kinds of things that I could add to the oatmeal and perhaps something else too, I don't know. I might not, and, and throw in a napkin, which I may or may not need. And th they're going to put all that stuff in there. Oh, and, and little packets of sugar. They're going to put in regular sugar. They're going to put in raw sugar. And they're going to, I don't put sugar in it. So, what we want to do is say, with respect to a whole variety of things that you would naturally get when you do takeout, that you have to ask for it. Right. And unless you ask for because otherwise what happens is I take out what I want and I throw out the rest. Right. And speaking of that, by the way, I have been in doctor's offices where things that they're uh, they're purchasing, or even, for example, in hospitals, and I'm not talking about putting anybody at risk, but when they need an item, it'll come packaged with related or supplementary items, I have seen uh, medical personnel open the package, take out what they need, and toss the rest of it. That's the kind of behavior that we have to stop, and we have to be really intentional about it because, for example, China has now announced that it's not going to take single-use plastic anymore. That's a place where we send a lot of our plastic. But China, in addition to uh, ramping up to you know, tamping down the use of plastic is also going to begin a whole process of developing reusable materials, not plastic. So they're taking, their effort goes from both not increasing the amount of plastic that they're taking in their country, but also to uh, reduce the amount of plastic that they are producing. What we need is something even at the producer level to limit the amount of plastic that's being put out there. Part of the problem is a lot of plastic is made from, um, you know, uh, uh, fossil fuels. Fossil fuels, and you know, with the current administration uh, lifting the lid on uh, fossil fuels and productions and so that sort of thing, it's only encouraging uh, more plastic and more thought to giving. Well, how much can we use plastic? In what ways can we use plastic? We're working against ourselves in so many ways, but. What I find, it, you know, from people who talk to me about these things, they want to know earnestly, just like you, what can I do uh, about this? And, and so um, there is a website, DPW has a website, which can tell you, you know, about, about recycling. Um, we have a program where you can get, if you take a little bit of a course, uh, 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 which is free, uh, about composting, they'll give you uh, $75 toward a proper bin if you want to do it that way. Um, there are things that you can do, and, you know, it might seem minor, just you and me and everything, but it's cumulative, and it, it all adds up. And so what I'm trying to do at the council is I'm trying to put in place legislation that will enable us to, to do better, but also provide assistance to people so they can do better, because ultimately it's going to come down to the to the retail level. Um, and and it's, it's vitally important because our environment is overcome with waste. Now, here's a, one idea I'm throwing in of, okay. of uh, environmental legislation that mm -hmm. I've, I haven't heard anyone in the country do. Ultimately, people say recycling takes 
energy and you're right. better off with reuse, like uh-huh. you're saying, reusable right. plastics. Why are there no tax credits for secondhand stores? Vintage clothing, well, that, antique furniture. Because like, instead of someone buying a sure. cheap dresser made out of particle board that was made with deadly chemicals, if they bought a beautiful old wooden dresser from 70 years ago, well, well, th- one that's thing better. You're talking about tax benefits, but one thing in this new legislation, this omnibus legislation, is to create a platform, uh, you know, an electronic platform, for people to put up stuff for reuse um, and it's not like uh, eBay, you know, for sale necessarily, but uh, it, it could be. But it's I have to communicate to you that I have this dresser or I have to communicate to you uh, clothing, for example, that can be reused. Um, it's, to tr- again, try to facilitate your ability to get out there with with um, with goods that you don't want, but, so, but they're perfectly fine and somebody else could use them. Yeah. So there's no, that. But, but, but a tax incentive might be a, an idea as well. For, for a store. Yeah, because also, right. I mean, everyone's wearing the same shirt because everyone stops, shops at the same stores, but vintage clothes are unique mm-hmm. and are one of a kind. And there are many such stores. Um, my uh, my daughters, when they were growing up, they're grown up and out of the house now, but they were they didn't want to go to a, what should I say, a regular store. They wanted to go to vintage stores and get vintage clothes. I said, but those clothes, why you look ridiculous. But anyway, but that's what they <laughs> that's what they wanted, and so that's that's what they did. Now, let me ask you, and these are not questions for me, but I feel like I have to throw in at least a little devil's advocate. Okay. Bills like these get criticized kind of from two sides. Republicans, particularly the straw legislation, has has become a a bone of criticism uh, on one end of the political spectrum uh, saying, don't you have other things to worry about? And then other folks say, um, don't you have other things to worry about? in a city with crime problems and education system it that's struggling. It doesn't replace our concern for other issues. It, it doesn't supplant that. It's, it's not, that's not the way this works. It means that we're doing this, and what, what is that thing? You, we can uh, walk, walk and, and chew, chew gum. gum at the same time. It's, it's a false argument, okay? And what would you have us do? Be completely indifferent and not, not tend to these serious environmental problems? That's, see, that's part of the thing about uh, dealing with it at the government level because market forces may not and are likely not likely to um, deal with these issues because you have uh, companies that want to make money, they want to be um, you know, efficient, they want to use whatever they use and not be responsible. It's like it's like the tragedy of the commons where nobody's completely responsible, they throw it out there, it's in the market, people buy things and it's producing bad results. So it's just like when, you, when, let's say you're a runner and you run and you're breathing in bad air. You individually may not be able to regulate the matters related to the environment. That's where government has to step in and provide regulation and provide guidance. And it does not take away from other problems. And if people say this is not serious, well, maybe because they're holding one little straw. But if you think about all the straws and all the plastic and all the waste and all the consequences of all that waste, it's a big problem. And here's another thing I would tell these folks. You uh, think that we shouldn't focus on this, but I'll tell you now, the people who uh, are children now, if we do nothing about these issues, about climate change and about air pollution and about all of these environmental problems, and it gets worse and worse and worse, 
they appropriately should turn back and look at us and say, why didn't you do something about that? You were in a position to do something about that, and you let you let the planet suffer this way, and all of the, the people and the animals and all of everything that we hold dear as an environment, you didn't do anything to protect it. Right. The day, the day that the issues you're talking about become front of mind, like crime or education may be, it'll be too late. I mean, the days when we can't, like in, you know, China, where there's days you can't go outside. You, it's dangerous to walk two blocks. You know, if we don't deal with the issues now, they will someday be front of mind, and then it'll be too late. And we know that if we, we do get in front of it, we can have material change. Think about when they took lead out of gasoline, the effect that that had, how important that was. Think about some of the uh, other kinds of chemicals that have been unleashed on the population. And we haven't gotten anywhere near that sort of regulation. Uh, for example, a, a full uh, and complete accounting of pesticides and what they do to us. The time is now, the problem is serious, and we have to act. Absolutely. Speaking of the time is now, sadly, we're almost out of the okay. aforementioned time. <laughs> we do our one fun question at the end. Okay. In this round, I am trying to build the perfect council member out of parts of present and past council members. And I would like you to just throw out two or three of I would love this person's put in this person's courage, this person's smarts, this person's dedication. Do any of those leap to mind for any of your colleagues or any of your predecessors? If you could build a perfect council member, well, I'll tell. I'll tell you would one. Would be ninety-five percent you, I'm sure, but the other five percent. No, no, but one actually does leap to mind, and uh, he, he's no longer on the council. I was always extraordinarily impressed with the intelligence of David Catania. He was really sharp. Really knew his committee, knew his subjects, and uh, I was. I was always. I wouldn't say necessarily in awe, but something close to that when I saw him perform and what he knew and 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 his preparation and you know native intelligence. So I, I would say the intelligence of David Contagna. All right. Well, sadly we ran out of time. Thank you so much again You're for welcome. taking the time, Councilmember. Thank so you for grateful. doing this. This is great. No, really appreciate it. And uh, thank you again, listeners. Tune in again next time. We're at DC Radio at 96.3 on your HD4 dial or at dcradio.gov. I'm Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. Thank you. Thank you.